0: The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at the first verse. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered in this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. All those 18 who died when the Tire of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it. But he didn't find any. So... He said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up all the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and I'll fertilise it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. Let's hope we can get this right. (laughs) Ah, wonderful. (laughs) Well, as you've heard, I've been asked to speak on living a fruitful life. And that seems a bit presumptuous somehow, doesn't it? As if I'm sharing with you how I became so fruitful. It's rather like the man who had to speak on perfection and how I achieved it. Um, and those of you who know me well will know I haven't got there yet. But I have learned a lot along the way on the ways that we can bear fruit. And I'm trying to put it into practice with God's help. So these are the things I'm going to share with you. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And we ask, Lord, that you will speak to every single heart, that we will know where we stand with you, and we will know what our future holds. Help us to have responsive hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We see from the passage that's just been read, and many other places in the Bible, that the Jews thought that if calamity came to someone... It proved that they were very wicked, and God was punishing them. But Jesus said, no, every single person is wicked, every single human heart. We all need to repent. And then he used the parable of this fig tree to make the point. In the first place, this parable referred to the nation of Israel, but it's also a wake-up call to the church, and to each one of us as individuals. So what is God saying to us here, today, now? We're going to look at it under three headings. Preparing the ground and receiving the new life. The fruit we should bear and the things that can help us. And the end result. In biblical times, fig trees were valuable. And this man didn't want any kind of tree, he wanted a special, valuable tree. And so he planted it in his vineyard where it would be protected from wild animals. And it was planted with one purpose in mind, so he could enjoy the fruit. fig trees have no flowers, I didn't know that till recently. And their wood is useless, they're only any use for their figs, So if they're not bearing figs, they might as well be cut down. I used to work for a group of GPs, and one of them used to have the expression of somebody being a waste of space. And I used to think that's terrible for somebody that takes in from all the resources and gives nothing back. How awful to be described like that. This is what this fig tree was like, taking up valuable space. So the owner made a reasonable request. Give it a bit more time, and if there's still no figs, cut it down. It's useless. So what does that say to us? Well, let's look at it right from the beginning, with the preparation of planting this tree. First of all, the ground would have had to be prepared. And in Matthew 13, in the, the parable of the sower, Jesus then said that the soil is our hearts. And I think we can take it with this parable as well. To prepare it means to prepare our hearts. The soil needs to be good soil. We need to be responsive to God, open to God, wanting to hear him, wanting to do what he says. Willing to get rid of all the rubble and all the weeds. That's repentance. Getting rid of all that's wrong and turning to God. Then we can receive this new life. James 1.21 said, putting aside all wickedness, that's repentance, receive the implanted word, or some versions say the living word. To change us on the inside. It's not enough to believe in Jesus in our minds. Even the devil does that. The devil knows that Jesus is the Son of God. The devil knows that Jesus came to die for mankind. The devil knows all that. It's not enough to believe it in our minds. We have to receive Jesus in our hearts on the inside. So if we do that, then there's a possibility of fruit-bearing. So what is that fruit? It's anything at all that's produced by the life of Jesus within us. If you think of a fruit tree, it's the sap that's flowing through that tree that produces the fruit. If you notice, we don't produce fruit, we bear it. The Holy Spirit produces it. Through the life of Jesus flowing through us. So anything that comes from his life within is fruit. And as John mentioned earlier, part of that is the very life of Jesus himself reproduced in us. When we were called, when God called us in the first place, it was that we might be changed into the image of his son. We see this in Romans 8:29. That's the whole purpose of God, to reproduce the life of Jesus through our lives. And that then results in the way that we live, the way we behave. Another thing that shows if we're bearing fruit is if we have a grateful heart A heart that wants to praise and worship God. And also a life that touches others for good. We're not meant to be here just for ourselves. We're here for others. First of all for God and then for others. And that's a sign of fruit if we're putting others first, caring for others. So this is all the work of the Holy Spirit within us. But there are certain things that we need to do. To enable the Holy Spirit to do that work. Certain helps if we're going to bear fruit. The first one is food. If a tree is going to be healthy and bear fruit, it needs to take up nutrients from the ground. And we need food, spiritual food, to help us to bear fruit. I don't know how you look on reading the Bible. I know I used to look on it as a duty. Well, I'd better read my Bible and say my prayers. Oh, that's good. That's out of the way. But that's not how it is. That's not how God means it to be. It's his word. He's actually speaking to our hearts, feeding us. And we should be delighting in his word, making it part of us, meditating on it, thinking of it often, living it out. The second thing is to abide in him. There's no fruit without abiding. And to me, that means resting in him, enjoying him, enjoying his love, and giving back our love to him. There's a saying that I heard some years ago that I really love, and it's, I'm living my life in Jesus. He's living his life in me. That's abiding. And it's a 24-hour thing. It's not something we switch on and off. It's Jesus in us all the time, enjoying it, loving it. And coming from that is obedience. A tree can't grow if it has blockages or if it has disease. Sometimes things have to be cut off to make it a healthy tree. And sometimes we have things in our lives that prevent us from bearing fruit. Sometimes those are bad things, like a tree being diseased, and we know they're wrong, and we have to choose to turn from them. And that may take us a long time and a long struggle to do that, but there's no fruit bearing unless we do it. But sometimes it's legitimate good things that are taking up too much of our attention. Perhaps we love them too much. It could be a hobby. It could be anything, a friendship. And God says, that must go if you're going to bear fruit. And I've experienced that. I remember once years ago saying, anything, Lord, anything. And he said, that, I want that to go. And it was something I didn't want to get rid of. But there's no bearing fruit unless we're obedient. Get rid of sin and also obey God in every detail. So I want to ask each one of us to answer certain questions. The first one, have you turned from, God's, from your own way to God's? Do you truly want his way in your life? And this isn't a one-off thing. This is something over and over again. Each time we try to wander our own way, <clears throat> it means coming back and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I want your way, not mine. Making him everything in our lives means doing what he wants. Have you truly repented? Do you really, deep down, want God's will for your life in every detail? Do you know that Jesus lives in you? Not do you believe in him, but if you truly, truly believe, he will be in your life. Do you know that? Do you have the assurance, Jesus lives in me? Are you feeding constantly on his word and letting his life flow through with no barriers? Is your greatest desire to bring him joy? If you can say yes to all those things, then you will be bearing fruit Whether you yourself are aware of it or not, there will be fruit being produced in your life. And now we come to the result of fruitfulness. First of all, those who really are delighting in him and going on with him and changing. If we are truly bearing fruit, we will be bringing joy to the heart of Jesus. I love the Song of Solomon, the relationship between Jesus and us. And one of the verses that means a lot to me is chapter 4, verse 16. May my beloved come into his garden and eat its choice fruit. We bear fruit not for our own sake, but for him, for him to taste, to give him joy, and then to give to others. Does Jesus look on you and his heart leap with joy? Do we honour and bring glory to our Father through bearing fruit? In Isaiah, God's people are described as the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Isn't that wonderful to be the planting of the Lord? Doesn't that touch your heart? And it's all that he may be glorified. God delights in a fruitful Christian and I must just say it's not just what we do because those of us who are getting older in fact doing less and less I'm not doing anywhere near as much as I used to for the Lord it's not what we do it's what we are inside, what he sees in our hearts. And I'd like just to say at this point how wonderful it was to hear Ellie's testimony because Ellie is still bearing fruit with all that she's going through. What joy that must bring to the Lord to give a testimony like that. Now we come to the hardest part of the parable. What happens if we don't bear fruit? We've seen the joy to Jesus, the glory to the Father when we do. Suppose we don't. Suppose we're genuinely converted. Jesus lives in us, but we know our lives are not fruitful. We're staying the same year after year. We're not moving on. Now, I personally don't believe that we can lose our salvation. I believe we're in Christ forever as far as our standing is concerned. that we may be taken away as far as our opportunities of ministry are concerned. Still be saved, but put to one side, cut down, useless, a waste of space. Could God say that of anyone here? You're a waste of space. Receiving all the grace and giving nothing back. Somebody said once, just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. And in 1 Corinthians 3, we see that whatever comes from the life of Jesus within us will bear fruit that lasts for all eternity. Everything else will be burnt up, that we ourselves will be saved. <clears throat> and now we come to the last group that this parable was especially meant for. Those that have no evidence at all of Jesus in their lives, those who've never repented, who are still living their own lives. What will happen to them? We saw in the reading that we shouldn't compare ourselves with the wickedness of others, because we can always say, oh, we're not as bad as they are. But Jesus said we each need to repent We each need to change direction and receive the life of Jesus within us. As the parable shows us, God has infinite patience, but he won't wait forever. 3 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And the message is clear. Repent or perish and we can't water that down I just want to briefly share with you a dream that I had some time ago and I think it's still relevant today in this dream there was a huge hole with people all around it leading up to the hole was a column of people about four deep and they were passing people over their heads and dropping them in the hole and as i watched this in my dream i wanted to know what was in the hole and i thought there's only one way to find out i'll have to join all those people that are been passed overhead so i did and i was being passed over and i was dropped into the hole and as i looked around to see what was there someone else fell on top of me and then someone else and someone else and I was suffocating, and I couldn't breathe. And I woke up in a panic, fighting for breath. And throughout the day, I talked to the Lord about this dream. I said, what did it all mean? And what he said to me, the whole is hell. And people are all the time going to hell, perishing. And I said, why weren't they scared? And then I realized I wasn't scared either. Because nobody really believes it. We talked to somebody about how no, no. Nobody believes it, so they're not scared. But it's happening all the time. And I said, who were the people round the hole? And God said to me, they're the church. And I said, but why are they just looking on and not warning? Why aren't they shouting out to people to stop it happening? And he said very clearly, the church has lost its voice because Jesus is no longer its head. It's only when we as individuals make Jesus Lord of our lives and give ourselves totally to him that the church will regain its voice. We were singing earlier on about Jesus taking his rightful place on the throne and reigning, and that must happen. We can sing it without actually making it a reality. How many of us this morning sang that, take your place, but we haven't done it in our own lives? We're still living in disobedience. We're still away from him. Ursula last week shared how Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they wouldn't turn to him and be saved. And we need to pick up God's heart for the lost and be willing for our lives to be poured out as a sacrifice that others might be saved. All around us, even our own families, neighbours, friends, our people are going to hell. And we need a voice to warn them. God is waiting for us to respond. Now, I haven't got there yet, but I want to. I want to be part of bringing back his voice, bringing Jesus to the throne where he belongs so this church has a voice, so we can warn people. And I'm sure there are many others here that feel as I do. So just listen to what God is saying to you. Because it's something for each one personally. Where do I stand before God? What's he saying to me? What's my part in this? And let's respond to whatever he says to us. For his name's sake. Amen. Amen.